0: Don't bite off more than you can chew. Find your niche and stick with that. In terms of fashion, there's so much out there that you do, but for me, it's size-inclusive fashion, and that's where my sweet spot is. Of course, I could do so much more, but my audience, that's what they come for.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Skudlari. Not just welcome back to another episode, but welcome back to a new season of Influencer Business. Season four, super excited to have you with us here. Not only today, but throughout the end of the year, we've got a number of great episodes lined up for you. And the first one, we're coming out of the gates hot with Makita Sagaosaki, the influencer behind uh, the Glamazon Diaries platform, glamazondiaries.com. And uh, the Glamazon on Diaries on Instagram. She's an OG influencer. She started her what was a, just a blog back in the day in 2007 when she was working on The Hill in D.C. And since then, she's gone to New York. She's now in Fort Worth, Texas, but only for a short period of time. She just got engaged and was just featured in Vogue magazine she's going to take us along on her journey and talk a little bit about a variety of different things how she's handled the pandemic how she's adjusted her content how she focuses on her audience talking a little bit about escapism versus providing information to your followers all of that is coming down the pike but first whether this is your first podcast or your 61st with us, please take three seconds and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Go to the Apple Podcast app. Give us that five-star rating. It literally takes two seconds. All you have to do is tap on those five stars because I know you want to and leave us that glowing review if you'd like to as well. We wouldn't hate it. In fact, we would love it. But Regardless, we appreciate the fact that you're here tuning in for this episode. And now that we've gotten the request for ratings out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Makita. Makita, thanks so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. It's great to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast.
1: First podcast? You know what? We are honored to be your first podcast. We certainly are honored to have you.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot to dig into, a lot of stuff going on in your life right now, but I want to start at the beginning. Can you share a little bit about yourself for our listeners and then we'll we'll dive in from there? Sure.
0: So I'm Makita Sagasaki. Currently in Fort Worth, Texas, but I run the fashion blog Glamazon Diaries, which is the destination for size inclusive fashion, food and lifestyle and travel once we're back to uh, <laughs> traveling again. Once we're back, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, my blog is all about, you know, just being authentically you, having fun with fashion without breaking the bank. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm semi on TikTok, but I'm definitely on reels. And, and, you know, like it's one of the, you know, my blog is my baby. Um, I've been Mm -hmm. doing it for 13 years. Um, when it was actually a blog, I didn't start off as an influencer. I started off as a blogger and right, I still yeah. consider myself a blogger.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're one of the original bloggers and perhaps the original blogger from DC. Oh, Can you like, tell us about how that all started? Cause this was what,
0: 2007? 2007.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: So I was working on Capitol Hill, you know, in communications, loved my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But dun, dun, dun. I love, exactly. I love shopping, you know, like, I mean, still lo- not loved, love shopping. Yeah. And, you know, I just needed something creative because I was always writing, you know, press releases, media advisories about like bike to work day. Yeah. Real um, juicy stuff. <laughs> very thought provoking things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just wanted something to just something fun to to do as a creative outlet. So one day, you know, um, I knew one of my friends from DC had a, uh, she did a, a blog all about just food and what to do in DC. So I was like, why not start a blog spot? Remember, like, remember Blog Spot? Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I was like, let me start a Blog Spot blog. And the women in my office always called me Glamazon because I walked to the office in heels instead of tennis shoes. You're kidding. Yeah. That's amazing. I was running out of college. I thought I was too hot for, you know, to trot. So no tennis shoes for me. Um, Yeah. So I was like, what am I going to call my blog? And then it just, it was a no brainer. I said, Glamazon Diaries because it's all, it's a diary. I I didn't know that people could actually discover your blog. So I thought, (laughs) oh. I'm carving my little corner of the internet and yeah. I'm going to have Amazon Diaries as my blog and just talking about, you know, my shopping habits. But one of the main things I was doing on my blog was what to wear to society events. So we had a lot of galas okay. that we were attending. So I'll just put together collages on shop style actually when like when you could actually create collages on shop style. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that's how I kind of get started. And then all of a sudden we were going to some event. It was called "Bachelors and Spinsters." It was a big gala in DC, and <laughs> my friends and I were talking. They're like, "What are you gonna wear? What are you gonna wear?" And one of my friends on GChat sends a link. Was like, "I don't know, but I found this blog, and they have what to wear, and it's like a, <laughs> a, a suggestion." I was like, "How did you find my blog?" Oh wait, my so God. you
1: you didn't tell your friends? No, who were I doing didn't, this, and they was- found out. Uh, completely without you knowing
0: exactly all of my closest friends found like knew about it but the rest yeah. of them didn't so and um, I didn't know about SEO and all those things so
1: yeah
0: i was like how did you how'd you find my blog <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and this i mean and this felt like the early days of the internet too it wasn't like super super early but definitely early ish um I mean, Facebook had just come out. I think the iPhone was just making its debut. Yeah. Uh, Facebook had been out like a few maybe years. a year or two. Yeah, a couple of years. Uh, the iPhone had just come out. You're doing Gchat, hashtag yeah. throwback, right? Um, um,
0: Twitter was around. Yeah. Well, Twitter's still <laughs> around, but it was... Very one, different form. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't realize you could actually make money off of blogging. This was just a mm-hmm. hobby, something fun. But then, you know, one of my... It was friends- almost
1: like a personal diary at that point, right?
0: Exa- yeah, on Diaries. Like yeah, it all was just like, yeah. Shopping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and it's funny because, I mean, uh, the salaries on Capitol Hill are notoriously low, especially oh, yeah. for folks right out of college. And you're going to all these events where you're, I mean, black tie and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, so I would imagine you had to work really hard uh, at that stage in your life to like figure out what to wear and make sure it was within budget and all of that.
0: Oh, that was when eBay. eBay was my best friend. I was on (laughs) eBay all the time bidding on BCBG gowns.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it.
0: That was my way of, you know, I think I I owned so many BCBG dresses. Oh my God. Yeah. So many.
1: So you you got found out by your friends. Yeah. Okay. The the cat was out of the bag. The cat was out of the bag. Uh, And this was, is that, at that point, did you realize, oh, people are actually kind of reading what I'm writing?
0: Yeah. So I actually didn't, I, one of my, one of, you know, just mutual friends was, he worked for Microsoft and he was like, Mm -hmm. what's your analytics? And I was like, what? (laughs) 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 He was like, your analytics, your readership. And I was like, oh, I, these are things that were not really important to me at the time. Yeah. So he was like, he walked me through. He said, no, you have to go into this section. You're going to see, you know, your analytics, how many people are reading each blog? What are they clicking on? And I was like, oh, wow. So th- that's when it started, you know, it actually started making sense how people, how I could possibly monetize my mm-hmm. my blog. Um, yeah. But still, like, I didn't even know about affiliate links, nothing like that. I just knew, mm-hmm. you know, um, people were reading it. It was Hyper local because it was just focused on DC things. Sure. Um, But then when I, I think um, I started really becoming more of a national blog when Mm -hmm. Guilt Group launched and I was posting, I was like, sample sale. Oh my God, sample sales. (laughs) (laughs) I really, and so I was. Man, Guilt. Yeah, Guilt Group. It came out. So I would always, year I was like, upcoming, you guys need to get on here. These are my top picks. And so again, this SEO, Google was just get picking everything up and mm-hmm. people started really reading my blog then. And that wow, was about so you were harnessing
1: after. the power of SEO way back in
0: the day. Without knowing. <laughs> yeah, Sure.
1: That's incredible. Wow. And so how did you kind of build up momentum in those early days? Because it was different to do, right? Obviously, not everybody was looking to be an influencer at that point. Uh, You were just doing this. You started as just a diary and it was fun for you to do. But how did you kind of continue that momentum despite having a different job and all of these other things going on?
0: Sure. I think, you know, when when I started getting a lot of comments on my posts and it was more, it started becoming a community because people were asking questions. Well, if BCBG only goes up to size 12, what do I do? So then it was me actually going to different brands to look for different products to bring to them. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just started growing from there. And I think one one of my first advertisers was Guilt Group. And when they offered me money, I was like, what do you mean you're giving me money to post about something that I actually love I'm just doing it for fun, <laughs> <laughs> so you know. Guild Group was the first, and then um, Wella was the second, oh, and then yeah. I just started like, I started getting money. Is it how how am I getting money to do these things? You know, um, and then just from there, you know, I was still in DC. I was making supplemental income from my blog. It was it still wasn't on par with my meager salary, but <laughs> it was definitely a lot of money. And that's when I realized, you know, there might be something in this. Um, but it was just really building a community and that community. I have a lot of them that still are with me today. 13 years later, they followed my journey. Um, mm-hmm. But I honestly, I think without that community and really fostering um who I had and through them, they were actually sending links to their friends. For their friends to read. So it was just like giving it legs, you know?
1: Right, Um, right. Yeah, it's interesting. Talking to Color Me Courtney about this, she's, everybody is worried about the wrong thing. Everybody's worried about growth. But the reality is you have to foster the community that you do have.
0: Oh, I agree. 100%, 100%. Yeah.
1: And that's what's carried you forth. I mean, you've your your platform. I mean, obviously, over the course of the last thirteen years, your platform has evolved dramatically. But it sounds like the same thing is at the center of it: the community.
0: Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, those are the people that know your brand DNA. They know what you're about, and they're invested, right? So. I think for me, you know, I tell a lot of my, my friends that are influencers who don't really necessarily have blogs. They're very worried about likes and getting new followers. But I always say you need to, you need to, you know, work on your, your people, your tribe, make sure that they're there. And no matter what content you're putting out, you always have to make sure that you have your tribe in mind because Mm -hmm. new followers will come. Some of them might stay, uh, but it's, You have to. You have to have your base. Without your base, you you're
1: nothing. Now you're sounding like a a politician. (laughs) (laughs) You got to serve that base. You got to serve that base. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, let's talk about how your platform has evolved. Obviously, the community has stayed at the center, but since then, right? Since twenty, since two thousand seven, a lot of things have changed, right? Yeah. Well, you're no longer on Blogspot.
0: You know, Um, I don't even.
1: Yeah, I don't know if blogs is Blogspot still around? It um,
0: is. I actually have a semi-tiny blog on there still.
1: Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, <laughs> but now there are all these different social media platforms and whatnot. How have you kind of dealt with the evolution of the you know the different platforms that exist now?
0: Sure. I mean, I think for me, it's building starting small. I, you can't just diversify completely. Um, my attention span—I think for like my attention span is very short, so <laughs> um, I think like I I'm, I operate on the learn and master one platform and then move on to the next. Um, I of course I have to say just one one thing: I always make sure that I get my handle on every new platform. Number one, mm, so okay. even when TikTok started, I knew when people started you know influencers started using TikTok. I knew I was going to eventually use it. Um, I wasn't ready to, but I said, let me just get my my handle, right? Smart, um, really smart. Yeah. So number one, if you want to do a platform, you're not ready to get on there, just get your handle because you don't want to be using um, crazy characters in your handle <laughs> once you're ready to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah. um,
0: but I honestly, for me, Instagram was a big thing. Um, I had been the Twitter and Facebook heavy user, you know, I was, really um involved in that because that's where my audience was and then yeah. once you know once my new new followers are like we need you post about alpha, what to wear but we want to see you wear it and i'm like why do you want to see me wear this stuff <laughs> you know um yeah. but the thing i just i thought well there's so many other influencers out there on instagram that are doing it why do you want to see it but they want my point of view so said, okay, mm-hmm. let's do Instagram. Let's make it right. And so I knew I had to dedicate time to it, shooting products, you know, doing stories, yeah. all these things. And then, you know, then doing real. I mean, well, Reels is new now, but yeah. TikTok was, you know, the, the next thing, which I haven't really dedicated a lot of time to. Um, but it's where my my base is, again, uh, my base and predominantly where most of my audience is, is on Instagram. So mm-hmm. that's where, you know, I'm focusing. But I'm not anti any new platform, you know, learn, you have to definitely learn it, but you, it has to make sense for you. Like your, for me, my hourly rate, <laughs> my cost of doing business yeah. if on TikTok, it's not making sense for me. I'm not sure. going to do it yet.
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think that's a great thing to keep in mind, you know, be aware of everything that's out there. Snag your handles so life is easier down the road. But yep. Don't feel like you have to jump, you know, stick again Back to the politics, stick with your base, your base. Make, make sure they're happy. Um, but what was it like stepping in front of the camera? And wh- when did you do that for the first time?
0: Um, I think three years ago. Three years wow. ago, that's when...
1: So you had been doing this behind the scenes for 10 yeah. years.
0: Behind the scenes. It was just my blog, blog, Instagram, Facebook. And also, here's a little secret. Some people know, but some people don't. I actually have a Kate Middleton blog as well and a handle.
1: You have a Kate Middleton blog and handle fan accounts. Holy yes. smokes. Breaking news. You heard it here first, folks. Yes.
0: That's just and a so you still maintain
1: like, those to this day? I do. I do. And that's like... What? As if As if like running all of these <laughs> accounts and platforms for your own business weren't enough? Yeah. You're out there.
0: Yeah, oh, doing wow. the, the Kate and thing. So I, I, I'm doing a lot, but... Sorry, repeat the question again before I digress. I mean, at
1: this point, I've forgotten the question. I'm so wrapped up into this whole Kate Middleton side hustle. Uh, I
0: know. That's
1: incredible. Well, no, I was what was it like uh, you know, stepping in front of the camera for the first time?
0: It was uh well, one, you know, I think I was like, I'm not a model. What am I supposed <laughs> to what am I doing? You yeah, know, so it was just just standing there posing with this product like my outfit, and I just felt so stupid because I was like, I just want to write about it, find yeah. the photos online and put together a collage. Simple. Yeah. Um, but it was just, you know, really, for me, it was just the building confidence in front of the camera just to be like, you know, people want to see this. They want to see it. They want to see your twist on it, but you have to have fun. So for me, it was, you know, putting a, one leg up, being, you know, just being goofy. And although people love seeing when I'm twirling and all that, it's I'm just being silly and goofy in those because I'm so <laughs> uncomfortable trying to be a serious model in front of <laughs> my camera. And you know, I have to say, the good thing is my boyfriend, excuse me, fiance is yeah, the one gotta that
1: transition. <laughs> Got to make that transition.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of still difficult. I always have to um, remember, but yeah. So he was the one that t- that was taking the photos for me. So it was it made a lot more. I felt a lot. More comfortable, um, as opposed to a stranger or just a another a regular professional photographer shooting me. Um, so I just didn't feel as much pressure to just sure. look absolutely fabulous and glamorous in all well, my you shots. Do. You
1: you do regardless. It doesn't matter who's taking the photo. Um, you know, but yeah, I can imagine that transition is, it definitely probably feels weird, especially for somebody who is, you know, such an accomplished writer and, so, you know, has done so wonderfully professionally to be in this kind of new role and take on this, uh, new persona almost, yes. you know, in, in still form life, you know, or still form photos, um, or I guess it would be still life photos. Still life. Um Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, figure it out, Rich. Um, but, you know, that's, it's so fascinating. And so that, th- you're three years into that. Are you yep. more comfortable now?
0: I am. Well, the one, I know my poses. I have like 10 poses that I know, um, depending <laughs> on what outfit. You have
1: your base. Of, we're going to get back my to this. Base, you have exactly. your base. Of, yeah, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> no, but I, you know, one of my friend, Peggy, She she's like, you shoot so fast. I'm like, yeah, five minutes and I'm in and out. Oh, I, wow. I sh- it takes me about five minutes to shoot most of my outfits because I know which pose I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in New York in the wintertime, I'm, I try to shoot ahead. So yeah. I'll be out on the street in two degree weather with sandals on shooting resort. Yep. So I'm not standing out there for 30 minutes, five minutes and we're out. <laughs>
1: oh, hell no. We're not doing this in anything more than five minutes. We're getting five out there, minutes. back in and back into my Snuggie.
0: Exactly. That's what doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, and how do you see the platform evolving in the future? Because obviously, a lot has changed since 20, uh, 2007, but things
0: are changing rapidly as we speak. Yes. Well, I, you know, I think it's what I'm seeing now is it's more about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm even I'm struggling a little bit with that because you know i i don't want my I don't want my community to just be all about boom, outfit, and everyone's like, yes, queen, yes. I don't, I just don't want that. It feels good,
1: don't get me wrong. It feels good. Of course,
0: I love that. But, you know, I want, it it needs to be more meaningful, especially because my audience is growing with me, you know, early thirties, some of them are, you know, mid thirties, late forties. I even have some older older women that follow me and Mm -hmm. they want more substance. So it's about the storytelling, more about substance. And, you know, for me, it's, figuring out how to really do that. So um, over the summer I was doing, I was posting, like I think I posted a bathing suit shot, but it was about, you know, politics and people are like, oh, thirst trap photo. I said, yeah, it's to give you a t- the attention.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Read the caption.
0: Exactly. It's about the yeah, caption. I'll, I'll bring you, you know? in with
1: the photo and I'm gonna keep you here with the caption.
0: Exactly. But That's it's just right. being more um, being more engaging in that way. And I think people are also more invested in you as a as an influencer a creator. They want to know more about you. Um, mm-hmm. which is very for me, I'm very um I, I'm not very out there with like, oh my God, this is my life and all that. So right, right. F- trying to figure that out. But I think it's going to be more video heavy, which I'm trying to do more of. Um, yeah. People love love video. Video is yeah. is But it's so now. much
1: more time consuming.
0: So much more time consuming, so much more work. But I think, you know, the risk versus reward is much
1: higher. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting that you talk about kind of more of the story uh, because what we're seeing now with influencers, especially over the last six months, uh, you know, between COVID and social justice uh, and all of the reforms that we're looking at and then, of course, the election um, we're seeing a lot of influencers sharing information, sharing their personal views, and there's, there's this constant tension between information and escapism, right? Mm, because yep. for some people, influencers are a way for them to get out of the day-to-day, a way to get a, an opportunity to get away from all of the inundation of information and the turmoil that's going on. How do you balance you know, that because, you know, you're known for elegance, luxury, sophistication, you know, putting together these beautiful looks, uh, you know, your kind of, you know, Francophile kind of, you know, aesthetic, um, you know, and right now we're at a point in time where some of us are just lucky enough to change into a different set of sweatpants every other day or something like that. So how do you balance kind of the, you know, the information versus escapism, you know, content versus the everyday reality of kind of our
0: lives? Sure. And just going back to the the last point I made about, you know, creating images that are, you know, they grab attention. I think for me, it's knowing my audience and knowing that they want to see some type of fashion, something, Mm -hmm. but it has to come with a message. Uh, And, you know, it's so important now, especially with, you know, social justice with, we have this community of allies. And I, you know, I feel like, it's my, as a, as an influencer of color, it's my job and my responsibility, not my job, but my, I feel responsibility to hold everyone to task. Um, Mm -hmm. if you sign up to be an ally, if you follow me because you want to diversify your feed and everything, um, my job is to help you understand why you're following, why it's important, why my beliefs are important, but it's not cramming it down people's throats. Um, for me, you know, um, I've been very vocal about social justice, bringing Taylor George Floyd, all of that, and it, it's showing them perspectives, but also telling them, you know, some of my some of my experiences with police brutality. I posted I posted about that early earlier this summer about you mm-hmm. know I used to live on Wall Street and my encounter with the cops. Um, yeah, but it's you know I don't want to just be preaching, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to be too preachy. Um, it's making sure that my 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 audience actually understands where I'm coming from without it being too um, jarring, I guess. And this might sound sure. controversial, but I think, you know, it, it is at the end of the day, escapism. And they don't they just don't want to come on my feet and just Sure. They they don't want to see everything is just, you know, right, just preaching, preaching, preaching. So yep. it's a fine line, it's balance. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, but and I think It probably
1: if, is gonna be different for everybody.
0: Of course. And I think yeah. as influencers, we have that responsibility to, you know, to really educate our followers to or mm-hmm. not even, maybe not educate, but make them aware. I think that's mm-hmm. a better um, make them aware of things that are going on. Um, sure. Now, of course, I know there are some of my friends that don't want to touch politics on their mm-hmm. on their feed, which is absolutely OK. You know, mm-hmm. it's what you're comfortable with. But for me as an influencer, I think it's my responsibility, um, because, especially an influencer of color. Because mm-hmm. my experience is so different. And when you see me twirling the streets, something can happen where some cop might be like, you're trespassing. Or some, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. there are things that could happen. And it's being able to share that story um, in a tasteful manner, I guess.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because some people might push back and say, well, it's an, no matter where you stand on the spectrum of how you share right? Whether you say it's going to be jarring or I'm not going to share it all, right? And you you fall clearly somewhere in between there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people who say you're doing it wrong. Of course. Uh, right? And But I think the reality is that everybody has a role to play in this. It doesn't matter, you know, how big your following is. It doesn't matter if you're an influencer or just a normal person. You have a role to play in kind of this movement and politics and everything that's going on right now. Um And you got to find what's right for you and you have to affect change the best way that you can. And you got to find your sweet spot. You know, what one person does won't necessarily work for the next. But I think as long as we're working towards that kind of common goal, um, folks should be respectful of that.
0: I agree completely.
1: Yeah, but it's got to be it's got to be very difficult to tread that fine line. And I'm sure you get all sorts of crazy messages. uh, But also, I would imagine from your base, a lot of love and support as well.
0: I have to say, most I'll, most of the time, I've got it's it's been all love. And for those that don't understand, or they always send me messages asking for you know for me to elaborate for, or for for me to explain it to, so they understand it. Of mm-hmm. course, I've gotten you know I posted some some I'll say slightly more controversial posts around July June July, yeah. and you know I got a lot of racist comments. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were from, of course, they're anonymous, anonymous yeah. and, you know, Cowards. exactly. But for me, you know, I, I, I think one of the posts around July 4th, I ended up arguing with two people for a few hours and then they brought their friends to try to attack me. And so I just oh, posted, I, all I said was said, you know what, thank you so much for increasing my engagement rate because with your, with that, like, you really helped me get new followers. It's just, it's crazy, but you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, but at the same time,
1: there's, there are those bad apples, but at what point do you disengage, right? Like it's not your, first of all, it's not your responsibility, right? You know, you're, you're doing your part and there are going to be some crazy racist people out there, right? It's not your job to try to convert them. Of course um, not. You know, so, you know, I guess it. everybody has a different level of tolerance for this. But um, something tells me that you have uh, a strong support group that uh, especially Definitely anything publicly, uh, they're going to go in on anybody who's giving you a hard time. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what I'm yeah. very thankful for. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you've, uh, you know, being thankful for it is always good, but you've also put in that time, effort and cultivated that relationship with your audience, right? Um, And it's wonderful to see you using your platform, especially because it's not easy, right? Because this is is how you make a living. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, producing content and and writing things and sharing things that are personal in nature or uh, could be considered controversial by some and probably shouldn't be. Con, you know, considered controversial, but, um, unfortunately we got a lot of crazy people out there, um, is, is difficult because you could lose followers. You could be, uh, you know, lose attacked. Sponsorships. You, could, you lose sponsorships, yeah. things like that. Has that happened to you?
0: No, I have to say I'm very, I've been very fortunate in That's that, good. you know, my sponsors have been like, I think, you know, the summer they're like, they said, if you need time, if you need us, if you need to wait, we completely mm-hmm. understand. So most of the brands that I work with have been very supportive.
1: That's good. That's good to hear. It's it's a low bar, but, uh, you know, we've been disappointed so many times, uh, you know, that yeah. uh, it's good to hear that people are at least um, showing some semblance of humanity. So. Yep. Yeah, but, uh, you know, aside from the upheaval that's going on in the world, you are seeing a lot of upheaval in your own life in a good way. Uh, well, it is, some would argue go- good, some would argue not so good. You are now in the middle of the Texas heat. You know, oh, you went yeah. from D.C. to New York, and we'll get to that move in a minute. But you're now in Fort Worth. Do I have that right?
0: Yep, Fort Worth, Texas.
1: And uh, it is, is currently 99 degrees or something crazy like that. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it was 97 degrees. I was like, I think
1: I didn't bring the right clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've and you've created content content in all of these different places, right? You're, you love to travel. Um, and how do you think about the content that you're creating? Cause obviously you had a really strong base in DC, you moved to New York and now you're in Texas. You, you travel all over the world. How do you think about content, creating content in these different places?
0: Well, I think it's, you know, no matter where I'm going, I want to showcase what that place has to offer, but through my eyes. Mm. Um, of course, you know, I, it's researching, seeing what, what is out there. I'm one of those people that w- no matter where I'm traveling, I end up having like a 21 page guide of some sort <laughs> or schedule. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it helps me kind of keep organized just for this move into Fort Worth. You know, I, I think it's a learning curve because I, I always heard Dallas, Fort Worth. So I was like, okay, well, Dallas, Fort Worth, but Dallas is about 35, 40 minutes away, you know? And so just being able to, right now I'm learning my neighborhood and I've been, you know, on stories capturing certain things um, about it. It's very hard being that we're in a pandemic. So of course I'm not being, I'm not able to do some of the fabulous things that, you know, I would look, I would be doing, but still I found right now, I've found so many interesting, amazing cultural, um, moments that I want to capture and I want to bring to my followers so they can see, you know, I think when you have a misconception about, for me, definitely, I had a misconception about what Texas is. You know, (laughs) so being Mm -hmm. here and it's, there's so many different neighborhoods. So interesting. Like right now we're in the cultural district, so many museums here. And, you know, I'm I'm very excited to show my readers exactly, you know, what this city has to offer.
1: Your roots as a blogger are showing. You keep you keep referring to your followers as readers. <laughs> I love it. No, it's awesome. It's really great. Um but the original move you made from DC to New York was because you had this vision of working at Vogue. Oh yeah. Right? And that never panned out, but it did in another sense, right? Because in a, this month you have been featured in Vogue. Tell us I a little know. bit about that.
0: Oh my god, that is that was like the one secret that I had been keeping, I just, I just wanted to scream it out of, of <laughs> the top of the Empire State building. Um, so back in July, I was approached by Tabitha Simmons, who's she's a shoe designer, but she's also an editor at Vogue. And you know, she said, We're doing this really cool concept, and I want you to be a part of it because I love your style, I love what you stand for, and you know she she as, as explained to me it's a jewelry story, but it's going to be shot through Zoom. I said, wait, what? Through Zoom? Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Got to get creative.
0: Was, exactly. So she, she, they pretty much, Vogue asked several creatives and actors to wear gorgeous jewelry and be shot by Dan Jackson, who was in London. So shooting, shooting through Zoom in London, New York. And it was just, such an amazing experience because they end up sending three bodyguards for Chopard Tiffany's. Um, so we had three bodyguards <laughs> in the apartment. We had a public a PR person from a publicist from Chopard there in the apartment, all in masks. Everyone's like being careful, but it was so surreal because we're shooting this thing. They're asking me questions like pose, do this, do that. And I'm wearing. I had. I think I, I, we had about ten million dollars worth of jewelry. What in my apartment? And I was like, "Oh my god!" I
1: I'm just gonna <laughs> sneak this half million dollar ring. They won't.
0: Exactly. <laughs> wow,
1: that's incredible.
0: It was such a fun moment, you know, and something that they said it was. They, they said, you know, maybe fifteen minutes, but it ended up being like an hour because. We were having so much fun, and then um, the photographer Dan he said, "I heard you love hats and sunglasses." Because the and the, at this at this time the entire shoot was over, yeah. And so um, I was like, "Oh yeah, I love hats." So he said, "Well, let me see some of your fun, your favorite hats." And so I got the hats. I had my sunglasses on, which was like they were like fifteen dollars Amazon sunglasses, and I have on <laughs> two million dollars Tiffany jewelry, and they're taking these photos. We're we're all drinking wine. Like I'm having wine tap this having wine on Zoom having a ball <laughs> and I see the like the final image and it's actually the image from like the outtakes like after we were done shooting so I was really? like oh my god oh, it that's was just, incredible it was amazing it was such a You an, never
1: know when the magic is going to happen.
0: Exactly but yeah. it was so unforgettable you know and it was so emotional too because afterwards I said I cannot like, this is something that I've dreamed about for so long yeah. um to be in Vogue or to write for Vogue but then when I like the past few years I said, you know, I, I just want to be in Vogue Vogue magazine and yeah. I you know I said I'll settle for online online you know just <laughs> a mention yeah but to get an actual a spread like two pages was two just, pages I mean, that's incredible.
1: Well, congratulations that, you know, a lot of obviously all that hard work that you've put in the wonderful community that you've built up, uh, you know, the world has interesting ways of working out, you know, originally you thought you thought you wanted to work at Vogue and instead you'll deign to be in on a two page spread.
0: Like, exactly. Awesome. And now we're, the goal is the cover.
1: Cover. All right. Cover next. You heard it here first. Yes. Keith is going to be on the cover. Um, <laughs> I also love that you're wearing fifteen dollar Amazon sunglasses and two million dollars worth of jewelry. Yeah.
0: That I was just like, that is priceless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so incredible. That is uh it's funny how kind of life comes full circle in, mm-hmm. in full you know in that way. Um, so what's, you know, aside from the Vogue cover, right, what are your other kind of near-term and long-term goals for the Glamazon Diaries platform?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I think right now I'm trying to figure out how to really make it into more of a community page on on the blog because, you know, as we all know, blogging, reading, readership on blogs have kind of reduced dramatically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I think for the past couple of months I've seen – a new surge in readership. People really want to go to my blog to find out, discover more, find out more about, you know, what I'm talking about on my Instagram page. So it's fusing more of my, not just fashion, but people know that I love food. I love cooking. I love cooking, you know? So being able to put more, like write about, you know, my recipes, things I'm making, my Mm -hmm. cocktails, if you follow me on Instagram and stories, I always have a cocktail. Although right now I'm doing sober October.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, what was your favorite cocktail to make in September?
0: Uh, gin martinis always. Gin always. martinis.
1: Okay.
0: My <laughs> favorite martinis. thing. Love yes, it. Yes, I'm not. I'm not really a, uh, a sweet cocktail person. Okay. Because I, I like to savor. So. Uh, okay. Gin or an old fashioned. Those are my oh, two wow. go tos classics. Love it. Yeah, I'm an old man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So, but not only were you featured in Vogue, but that followed another high point of your life. You recently got engaged. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. And you are
1: in the midst of planning a wedding. And tell us a little bit about that because it's not as simple as one would expect.
0: No. Okay. So (laughs) we're (laughs) planning. This planning wedding, a wedding
1: is hard enough as it is, but Makita, you've decided to make it that much harder on yourself.
0: Yeah. So my fiance is from in, from France, from Poitiers, which is right out in the Bordeaux region. So we're going to be planning a wedding in France next Labor Day, twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, the good thing is, you know, we found the venue. We found Fenders. Oh, amazing. We, we, and this is all through Zoom and through friends <laughs> that he has. In the still in his hometown oh wonderful. Uh, the thing is I haven't seen the venue uh, uh, yeah because the venue has been closed because of covid yeah. and Americans can't go to Europe because right. of covid so yep. you know right now you know in my past life I did event planning as well so I kind of have you know some of the the background in terms of vendors like making sure all these things are going okay. But Mm -hmm. the uncertainty of you're planning this wedding, but who's going to be attending? Are we going to have a vaccine? Are people going to feel comfortable traveling? You know, and there's an added layer of, I have family from Ghana that'll be coming because we're doing Mm. both my traditional ceremony, the traditional Ghanaian ceremony and the Western ceremony, both there.
1: That'll be so much fun.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah.
1: A lot of logistics.
0: Yeah, and also doing mm-hmm. everything in two languages.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Are you, ju- or is it English and French?
0: Yep, English and French. So okay. the um, the Save the Dates, everything is, we did in both English and French. The website now we have to design in English and French. Invitations <laughs> will be English. Like, and then just figuring out the ceremony, who's going to mm-hmm. translate, because it has yeah. to be in English and French. So <laughs> it's it's definitely an interesting fun times so far, yeah. I'm sure by, by next April, it's going to be more stress because sure, I don't know yeah. how it's going to look, you
1: know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on even being able to narrow down a venue and vendors like that is Herculean task considering like, it's hard enough to do it when it's in your hometown and you're on the ground and you can meet with people, but doing it, you know, thousands and thousands of my oceans away, yeah. literally oceans away um, that's great. And it sounds like it's going to be an awesome time. Hopefully things kind of clear up by then. And, you know, you're able to have everybody that you want there. Fingers
0: crossed. Fingers crossed.
1: Fingers crossed. Well, what advice would you have for influencers who are just kind of getting started? Obviously, um, a whole host of different platforms that they can get started on. What, what do you think the most important thing for them to focus on is right now?
0: Sure. I think the the biggest thing is don't bite off more than you can chew, as in niche, find your niche or your niche mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> find your niche and grow that. Whether it's skincare, if you're doing skincare, you can find a, a, a niche in that. Are you doing skincare for for African-Americans, like for, with darker complexions? There's so many nuances in that. And when you actually drill down to, you know, your base or what you think what you're passionate about, you're able to really cultivate the following from there. And also you're able to ease more easily brands will find you. Um, or you can also pitch brands for that specific category that you are, um, that you are talking about writing about creating mm-hmm. for.
1: Yeah. And I think that's incredible advice because you're right. There's so much you can do. And oftentimes it can just be overwhelming to figure out, where to start, and so by honing in on something that I think you probably would agree you have to love yep. and really enjoy, because you can't expect to get a paycheck anytime in the near future if you're just getting started. But focusing on that niche or niche, um, <laughs> I say it both ways. Maybe I'm Me wrong, too. <laughs> but um, but focusing on that niche and and drilling down on it and staying consistent with it and building up the audience there and engaging with your followers there, I think that's great advice because all too often we get distracted. You know, there's a lot going on out there.
0: Yeah, and I think consistency is key. You have to be consistent with your your content creation. You can't just create like once now and then. Three months later, you're you know posting something else. You need to keep people anticipating, wanting more. um, But wanting them for them to be coming back often. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I think is super important. And also, I guess the third thing is don't be so concerned with the likes. Um, you need to be concerned with engagement and authenticity in your voice.
1: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. The likes will come. And if they don't come, the you know, you'll build the audience that appreciates what you're doing.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: but I, you're absolutely right. Consistency is important. It can't be, you know, here and there, what catches, catch can. It's got to be, you know, consistent because people love consistency. Even if we are not consistent, you know, ourselves as human humans, we love the kind of familiarity and the Um, kind of the coziness and the comfort that comes with knowing that, oh, I I know I'm going to get that today, or I know I'm going to, she's going to, you know, produce some great stuff for me to read this week or whatever it might be. Despite the fact that we in our personal lives might be all over the place, we appreciate the comfort that comes with consistency. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Makita, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for making the time. It is Again, I just want to say we are honored to be your first podcast
0: interview, oh, first,
1: first of many to come. I'm sure.
0: Yes, and this was painless. I mean, wow! It's really nice. <laughs> and fun.
1: Well, thanks so much, Makita. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much.
1: An awesome conversation with Makita. If you don't already, make sure you follow her glamazondiaries.com dot on the internet and on Instagram. It's Amazon Diaries as well. So, but before I let you go, a couple things I wanted to highlight from our conversation with Makita. First and foremost, find the people who are invested in you and invest in them in return, right? Don't worry about getting more followers or more likes, but work on your existing people. You need to have your base, as she alluded to, Uh, not a political base, but your follower base. These are the folks who are going to stand by you thick and thin, invest in them, and they will invest in you. Don't worry about getting those likes or increasing your following. That will come if you do right by your base. Also, you have to love it. As you can see from Makita's story, she's loved it from the get-go. There, When she started her blog, there was literally no monetization in sight, right? She just did it because she loved it. It was truly a passion and she still to this day loves it. She has another account uh, that most people don't know about. I think it was breaking news on the podcast, but she has an account dedicated to Kate Middleton. Uh, she just loves creating content. She loves what she does and that is what has allowed her to build her audience and grow her business. So if you... If you start it for the wrong incentives, right, if you're in it for the wrong incentives, it can create a really bad experience and be a negative thing as opposed to a positive things. So make sure you're, you love what you're doing. Make sure it's something that you're excited to do, whether or not you're going to get paid, and things will work out in the end. I also love her approach to new platforms because she doesn't feel the need to do it right away. She doesn't feel that feeling of FOMO that a lot of us do. Um, but she reserves, pun intended, the right to move to them when she's ready. You know, she does this by reserving her handle and investing kind of in her future self by taking a few minutes to, you know, snag the the appropriate handle for herself. But she does it on her own timeline. So there are always going to be new platforms out there. TikTok is the most recent. Uh, and there will be more in the future. But, you know, move at your own pace, invest in the platforms that you're excited about investing in. And you will know when it's time to move into other other platforms. So So um, with that, thanks so much for joining us on this first episode of season number four of Influencer Business. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you go to the podcast app in Apple. Leave us that five-star rating. Give us that glowing review. And if you're not listening to us on the Apple podcast app, go wherever you're listening, leave us that rating, give us that review. Uh, we, it'll, it'll really boost our egos here uh, at Influencer Business, and we certainly would appreciate it. So, And a big shout-out to Pete Krimmey and the team at Sound Lunch for always making us sound better over the podcast than we do in person. We really do appreciate it. And with that, I'm your host, Rich Gulari. Thanks so much for joining us today on this episode, and we will see you next time.